0: Kennedy um, pastor of uh, Church of the Good Shepherd in Binghamton and uh, today we are meeting once again to sort of continue a conversation that we had uh, a couple weeks ago on the past trip and uh, I just figured we should we should continue that um, so I wanted to start first uh, talking about just real quick, why I started wanting to be a pastor. So when I was in... Did I, I told you this? Did I, don't I, know. I ever t- I don't know. tell you? I don't know. Okay. It's a little charismatic. Um, yes. <laughs> um, yes. Not really. When I was in eighth grade, I had a Bible teacher. And he said once, if you... Uh, he He said that if you want to know... He, he's like, if you guys... Want to know what to do, like with the rest of your life? You should, you should, you should like, bring that before God. Like let God kind of lead you into into what you want to do. And I, so I took that literally, and I said, "Oh, I'm gonna go home and I'm gonna ask God what what should I do with my life." So I did, and um, in that in that moment, I I had a, a word come to my mind, and it was uh, seminary, which was kind of odd because I didn't know really what seminary was. Um, and I mean, to this day, I think God prompted that word to come. To, it, it probably would have been in my—it would have been in my subconscious because my dad was an associate pastor before then. My grandpa was a pastor, but I think uh, to this day that God prompted that word to come to my mind to sort of confirm what trajectory to go down because uh, I knew what pastor, church, ministry, that type of stuff. But seminary—what's that? What is seminary? I didn't know. And then the next couple of weeks, all my uh, Bible teacher could talk about and my pastor could talk about was like the training of men for ministry and seminary. <laughs> so what is seminary? And I was like, what? <laughs> um, so I, I took that and thought, okay, well, you know, does that mean I should go to seminary? I don't know. But alongside that came this desire to study God's word. And I think that's what really... Uh, solidified in me that I think God is is calling me to do something with his word and something in his church because I just grew in my love for studying his word and uh, yeah I just that that was a fire in me and it it stayed all throughout uh, high school into college and then I went to Liberty for biblical studies and so from then I had been trying to figure out well okay what is the job of a pastor I love the Bible. Uh, I love to study it. But what does a pastor do? Like I, I knew that must mean something <laughs> with what a pastor does. Um, but uh, lo and behold, the Bible actually tells you what a pastor <laughs> does and and what the requirements are. So you have whatever job that you take, uh, there are going to be requirements. There are going to be uh, things that you have to do, and and God tells us exactly what a pastor should do. And so in 1 Timothy uh, chapter three, Paul says, "'The saying is trustworthy. "'If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, "'he desires a noble task. "'Therefore, an overseer must be above approach, "'the husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, "'respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, "'not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome, "'not a lover of money. "'He must manage his own household well, with all dignity.'" keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So that's, those are the requirements, right? Of an overseer. Well, Overseer and pastor, same thing?
1: Uh in the new testament language yes you have overseer and and elder being used interchangeably those two those two words okay. so yeah yeah
0: okay yeah. now my question is the office of overseer you go to a lot of like big churches <laughs> and you have like host pastors and like <laughs> coffee pastor. pastors i've never heard you never heard of a host pastor no what's, what's a host pastor? Host pastor or like a welcome pastor is someone who, oh, like, oh, leads right. the welcome team the or, like, the hospitality the team. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, But okay. Uh, um, maybe not, like, every greeter would be a, a host or a welcome pastor, but the welcome pastor would be the guy who, like, leads the greeters. Oh. So if you go to, like, a really big church, like Life Church, for instance, that that's kind of how they, they see it. So, so everyone <laughs> has, like, everyone's role basically ends with pastor. <laughs> So is that this?
1: <laughs> I mean, no, no, no. That's not the because it seems like they've taken the word pastor and just t- t- reduced it to le- ministry leader. I mean, or like or, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm leading this. Or I'm a I'm organizing this this act of the church. And a pastor, no. It's a pastor is a is the person who's a shepherd of the the congregation,
0: the under shepherd who who watches over. Do you think they're using the congregation. that just as like? A- not the office but the role of i'm kind of shepherding my team i'm leading my team maybe, maybe but maybe I, if they are they shouldn't do it they shouldn't do that, shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah. It just causes confusion yeah causes confusion. yeah i think okay. it's a, it takes it uses the wrong word for that so what's with the word office like what does it mean to fill an office and why is that different from other jobs
1: great question i mean if, if you think about maybe a judge right so mm-hmm. um when a judge puts on his robe or her robe and sits in the seat to hear a court case. It's no longer, you know, Jane or or George or, or well, it is Jane and George, but it's not just Jane and George. It's just Jane and George or George op- acting in a position, an institution, an institutional position that's greater than themselves. It, it's mm. it's it's beyond their own individual personalities and it's an institution to which they have responsibility or for which they have responsibility of upholding and maintaining. So, so if you step into the office of pastor, you would, you, you would personally occupy that office, but you are responsible for maintaining that office and keeping with what it is, right? You can't just say, well, Hey, this is the way, uh, this is the way Matt's going to be a path. Matt's going to be the, the, cool pastor and i'm going to re, i'm going to change everything about it. i'm just going to be recast the vision of pastor and be a new no no the, the, the what a pastor is has been given to you and you occupy that role that office
0: and then you carry it forward um, like that mean mean girls the, i'm the cool mom Yeah, right, cool um you know i've heard people say that when paul says to timothy fulfill your ministry they've kind of they 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 sort of take that and, and say, God has given you a ministry that you have something specific, a specific call on your life. is that I've you- heard I've
1: heard Matt Chandler say that actually he, he preached on that and I think what he meant was that you you don't you can't be like if you're listening to a preacher on online a lot, like let me say you're a fan of Alistair Begg. You're not going to be Alistair Begg, right? You, you're, you may you may be as great a preacher as Alistair Begg one day, but you're not Alistair you're Begg. Not Alistair so Begg. don't try to be Alistair Begg. You can use some of the tools that he has and the gifts that he has to to accentuate your ministry, but you're a different person, than Alistair Begg. if you try to be Alistair Begg, it's just going to be really
0: weird and <laughs> okay, okay.
1: So I think that's what he meant by that's what, what like he that, means. W- yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. Yeah. Um. So that's pro- that's why we as Anglicans. We have things like the collar. The collar is going to be something yeah. that it sort of takes you and your personality out of the game, and you're you are operating as a servant, bond well, servant of Christ. Like that's that's yeah. Why are
1: you why why do Anglicans wear the weird clothing? Mm, the vestments and everything. And everything yeah. and the, and not and when they're not uh, not on Sunday morning, they'll sometimes just wear the collar and their je- and their suit um, out. And that's because yeah, we would say we're, we're occupying an office and those outward signs help communicate to people around us and to ourselves that Mm -hmm. that we're we're acting uh, not just as individuals but for
0: for the institution yeah and that yeah and you just said institution i think that's really important too a lot of times people will think of the church as this movement and this movement versus an institution and there's it may be uh uh it's probably both <laughs> um but but the sometimes whenever people think of it as a movement it's like we don't want it to have any like institutions are dead right and they right, right. Uh, right and so so we it's not a dead institution it's it's a movement and we we spread the gospel and and all that but the very idea well, chris Rosebro talks about this how the very idea that there's offices is proof that it's an institution that God is setting up an institution with offices right. that that lead it, um, and so I think that's important to get. But what's fascinating about that text that I just read is most of everything there is just about the character of a pastor. Why is that? Why isn't there more? Just I mean, we we see in places what a pastor is supposed to do, but here I mean, like th- like Paul is telling Timothy what kind of men to set up as pastors in the church, and he focuses all his, most of all, all of his time just saying, this kind of guy, this character, why does that matter? I mean, if you were to go through that passage
1: and maybe add, instead of, you know, take the opposite of what, <laughs> <laughs> of what Paul writes, right? I mean, you wouldn't want someone who's... <laughs> Who's got a terrible reputation? Who's, who beats yeah. his children? Who are... not the right. husband right. of one wife? <laughs> right. I got lots of wives. <laughs> got lots of women. Hanging around. Yeah, I think the whole point is is that the, the is that while the pastor is supposed to sh- shepherd the flock, one way he does that is is by exemplifying in his life mm. the the characteristics of, of a person who knows Jesus and is has been has been transformed by him. Uh, now, of course, you know the problem with this is that you're not going to find any. Any pastor who is like completely sinless, there's just you're going to find only sinful pastors. So, so you're going to find pastors who fall in, in lots of ways. Hopefully not ways, of um, but, but ways that, um, that are disqualifying, but the ways that that are going to be evident to the congregation. I mean, like, yeah. I've been in this congregation for 20 years, and I mean, everyone by now knows like my idiosyncrasies and my my <laughs> my sin, my the areas where I sin most often. Um, mm. But so it's not saying you need a perfect person, but it is saying you need someone that that is, uh, in an overall sense, uh, uh, given over to Christ and whose life reflects that. Um, there's, you know, there's there's practical aspects to it. You know, if you can't run your own household, how can you? how can you lead a church? I mean, if if your kids are screaming and running around and you go to the store and they're pulling things off the shelves and cursing at your mother, mother, and, (laughs) uh, and they have no respect for you whatsoever. How can you possibly think that this person is going to be able to, to lead a congregation?
0: Well, let's talk about that for a minute. Can, does a pastor have to be married and have kids?
1: Um, I don't think so because, okay. you know, the, the, the Apostle Paul wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and Jesus. Jesus. <laughs> I guess you could say he was married to the church. Uh, <laughs> so he had, a, he had, a, he has a bride and mm-hmm. children. Uh, but, but there is no, no requirement for that, I think. I think, but, but that if he
0: is married, that this needs to be his. Family. How would you, how would you determine if a guy is going to manage a church well if he doesn't have a family that's a, that's a good question I think I think it's why,
1: uh, why I think it's difficult uh, for a single person I think it's probably more difficult for a single person to lead a church but I, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't see how my friends who are Roman Catholic and priests do this um, uh, so I think that um, I think you can mm. but I think that that requirements in there with I think the assumption that most of the people who are coming forward to be pastors are going
0: to be married and with children. right? And maybe maybe, you know, you're looking for you could be looking for characteristics that a good father and husband would have that that person has gentleness, patience and all that. Um, uh, Yeah, I mean, even in my own. Life. and I mean, I'm, I've been married for too long, and I have two kids, but they're very young. I've noticed just how much that bleeds over into how I deal with people in the church. church. That's huge. crazy. Yeah, <laughs> it is nuts. Um, so, so that that's always been fascinating to me. How uh, God has made that a requirement. How one manages the home is going to show how one manages the church and so the pastor is a manager but he but he manages in such a way that a, a father manages a home which is different than a manager of a, a business, yeah. right? Right. It, what are Very some different. What are some of like the main ways that that's different? Well, your boss doesn't have to love you. Yeah, <laughs> just tell
1: you what to do. Your boss just tells you what to do. You have you have rules at the office. You have to you have to abide. If you don't abide them, he can fire you. Uh, your your relationship with your boss is all about your performance and whether you're whether you're doing the right thing um, mm. in the way that he wants you to do it. And if you don't, you know, if you are, you get promoted. And if you I mean, so so, uh, but a father. Right. There's, there's a lot more involved there. Their father is a love relationship. Your father wants the best for you. Your father is really concerned with your personal growth and you're, you're, you're becoming a, a mature human being able to, able to take care of yourself. So, uh, his, his treatment of you is should be i mean in an ideal situation one in which you are absolutely sure your father loves you and you're also absolutely sure your father is guarding the boundaries of your of your life and he won't let you overstep mm-hmm. without there being some kind of discussion <laughs> to, 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 yeah and he sticks to, with you too right when you <laughs> yeah. don't yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. When, when you don't with, do any of exa- that exactly he doesn't he doesn't just your um Uh, fire you can't be fired by your father so i guess you could if you work for him but i'm saying you can't be fired from the family i mean even if if, the worst case scenario like if your dad kicks you out of the house because you're you know doing drugs and won't stop or something you still are his son you you don't that doesn't change Mm. so there's there's this kind of bond that's connected between the father and the son that i think it should be reflected in the in the between a, a pastor and the people in this church is that why anglicans call pastors father or, or Roman Catholic, like yeah, I think father. so. I think it goes, it goes. It, it's I know that um, Jesus says call no man father because you only have one father in heaven. Um, <laughs> but then he goes on to say and call no man teacher because you only have one teacher, yeah. right? Right. So, so I know that the common evangelical objection to priests being called father is that text. But then they better not call anyone teacher because Jesus also says that They're one teacher, right? Right. So, hmm. and there are places where Paul is. I forget which. Which epistle? What Paul calls refers to himself as the father of those who are, who he's he's been their spiritual father. The people mm-hmm. in I think it's in, uh, I think it's in First Thessalonians where he refers to himself as a spiritual father of, yes. of that church. Right? Oh uh, yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. does. Yeah. So it's okay to call a pastor father. I think so. Call I mean, I, Matt. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I I prefer. I don't. Does it make you feel weird? It did. It, it did. But that's when I first got to Good Shepherd. It was it was it, thirty years before I got there. Good Shepherd was the. Center of Anglo-Catholic mm. thinking in the region, right? So everybody called me Father. There was nobody who called me anything but Father. So. Would it just
0: be like Father, not yeah. Father Matt? It'd be like, it was just hey, father. father. Nope, it was just Father. father. Right. <laughs>
1: and when they're and talk- you're you're
0: twenty nine, <laughs> yeah. right? Right, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right,
1: right. And when they're talking about you to, to other people, it's not like Father. It's not Father Matt. It's Father. Father said we should do this. Father's Father wants this here. <laughs> father wants this there.
0: So it was so hard to use it. Okay, that had so. <laughs> Had to feel weird, but uh, did you find that uh, the enemy would kind of use that and be like, "Hey, you're you're, you're something you're... important." <laughs> you know? Well, at that
1: time, no, because at the same time, the same people who were calling me father were also like <laughs> trying to undermine. <laughs> yeah, because it was this was during the sexuality fight, and a lot of people were, were it was a lot of turmoil in the church. So I didn't. It was really hard to get a big head mm. um, in my early days because yeah. of that. Um, we had we had a good. Oh, let's see. i told you this story before, but the, the the Sunday after Gene Robinson was was affirmed by our House of Bishops in the Episcopal Church, I preached a sermon about this, um, and within the next week, we lost a good 20 people out of the 50 or 60 we had at the time. They just took That's off junk. left, and then some remained who were not happy and who were trying to—it was just a, it was a terrible, terrible time. Wow. So, um, so it was hard to get a big head. I mean— after afterwards, like the, the way when that started to happen, when when the, the 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 possibility of pride and being puffed up came in, was after we lost the lawsuit and this church fell into our hands and we didn't lose but one person moving over from the old church to this church and we just landed on our feet and there's where I thought oh yeah. Hmm. Yeah, who's the pastor? to lose anybody in the way on,
0: oh, yeah. on, on this new church plant, and yeah, so yeah. I had to watch out for pride there, but um, yeah, I stood up for truth. Yeah, I didn't. I lost yeah. just one person. We have this new building. I'm awesome. Right. Where, yeah,
1: God's blessed me
0: in my ministry, and yeah, so now we're gonna grow. We're gonna fill all 400. This scenes. is
1: why. This is another reason why it's good for for uh, pastors to have wives.
0: Sarah. So, <laughs> yeah, they can. They Just can sure. burst those bubbles pretty easily. So. Yeah. Angel <laughs> so. does that very well. And she's going to listen to this, so I always say that. Um, you said earlier priest. So can we talk real quick about why a priest is an okay... Is it an okay yeah. thing to say about a pastor? Because we're all priests, right? Yes. The priesthood yes. of all believers. As Protestants, we hold to that. Right. So what do we mean when we say a pastor is a priest?
1: So the, um, the word comes from... Uh, the old I think, I think it's old English maybe middle English word prester. Mm-hmm. Uh, you remember the there's this Christmas song uh uh oh what's what's the name of the song where they prester John they're when in the meadow we can build a snowman oh that one yeah uh and he'll say, "Are you married?" We'll say, "No, man." But you, you can do the job, job when, when you're in town. town. Yeah. But The, the guy that, that guy's name in the song is Prester John, oh. right? Right. It's an old, and that's the old English word for pastor,
0: uh-huh. right?
1: And prester. then Prester, and it got translated. So, so in the English Bibles, uh, in some English Bibles, the translation from uh, a presbyter. Was prester okay. which became priest, and and that's how it, it, the etymology of it is is from pastor
0: English, yeah, the English of pres presbyter it's
1: ultimately prester, right, prester goes, yeah, yeah. priest. So the, the etymology goes back to pastor. I mean, it goes back to to presbyter. Um, so uh, we don't mean it too. We don't we don't mean it when we use that word. We do not mean it in the in the sacrificial mm-hmm. sense of mm-hmm. the Old Testament priesthood. We We don't mean that in that respect. Or
0: that we're more of a priest than another believer. No, 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 no. Yeah, that's that's not how it's intended. So So then why not just dump the word then if it causes confusion with other Protestant denominations? Like, do you think it's a word, like a helpful, a helpful word for a pastor? I don't know. I just, I mean, I'm not, I don't care really. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I I'm really loath to just drop things because yeah. because with historic with history behind them because some doesn't get it right. Yeah. So I mean I think we should I think the better role there is to explain what we mean by it rather than drop it. Mm-hmm. I I there's a lot of words like that we use in the church like imputation. Why yeah. do we call it or yeah why do we call it something else? that people are, well because it's it's the word that we've always used. We want to explain what the word means. Yeah, so that people can. Be educated up. Mm. It's kind of the kind of the same argument about the you know the the the, the language in the liturgy. I mean, do do we mm. we want the liturgy to be understandable because it has to be? But but there are some words that you don't that that just aren't being used anymore. But we still probably wouldn't want to necessarily change, like the oblation, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. Right? I've had so many questions. What's it, What's an oblation? Well, oh, that's a kind of offering. And um, well, why don't you change it and say? <laughs> Well, because it's a little bit – the shade of it is a little bit different than offering. That's really uh, yeah, important
0: too. Yeah. I, we live in a culture now where like the shades of meaning, you know, that has just been deleted from everything. Yeah. And everything is like one in one word, right? Um, rector. Then what is rector? That's yeah, it, another word we use.
1: Yeah. It's, it's a little bit like it's uh, – you're the um, – it's a name for an office – the, the rector in an Anglican setting is someone who is, uh, who has vested authority in the parish like unto a bishop in his diocese. So, um, and that's different than a vicar. Right? Okay. Tell, what's a vicar? So a vicar, that comes from, you think about the word vicarious. Uh-huh. So if you're a vicar, you're just acting as the bishop's representative in the church. Right. You're, you're, he's, you're, you're you're vicariously him. He's, he's, you're his, he's vicarious presence. Oh,
0: whereas a rector is established in there. He has his own,
1: he has his own authority in the church. And so that's why, um, well, back in, during the controversy in the Episcopal church, if I were just a vicar, the bishop could have just removed me. Right, but I was a rector. He gotcha. installed me, so he had to ask my permission to even come visit the church hmm. and to preach. And to so teach. these are
0: different words that, um, d- like, underneath the word pastor, but these different words are j- just serve to differentiate the, the relationship the type between of you, the church, you and have, the right. bishop. Rector is
1: an old word that goes back to to, a, to someone who's an overseeing an institution.
0: Right? Okay, right. okay. That makes sense. Um, okay, so... We talked a little bit about characteristics and uh, what a pastor should be like, and I think that's really important because um, in um, in college or after college, uh, looking forward to seminary and and all of this, I I came to the realization that uh, man, I should be spending more of my time thinking. I, I got so thinking about my studies, I was like, which is good, but I was like, am I the right guy am i the right kind of guy like am i um i mean what are some areas in my life that like i should not take in to like the pastorate with me um and that was really helpful for me in thinking about not just going into the pastorate but my own walk with christ thinking am i you know if you're going to be an example to the flock am i that am i that example so that was a good that was a question i needed to ask myself still do um in many ways i'm not but um by God's grace right as you said you're not looking for someone perfect and for someone who holds to the gospel yeah. is in Christ and leads people to Christ um, then what is what are uh, the roles then Like what? so if you had to um, if someone asked you why do we need pastors what service do they provide right What what's the job
1: yeah I would go back I think I think we don't have we don't have apostles anymore because they're, mm-hmm. they're gone um but but what we have with re- with regard to the relationship with the pastor to the congregation is is an ap- is an apostolic role in the sense that in, in acts chapter six the apostles were devoting their lives to prayer and preaching the word right and, and that's why mm-hmm. they had to find six people to help distribute mm-hmm. Distribute, uh, oversee the distribution to the widows. The deacons. Yeah, the, the deacons. six deacons. So um, the pastor, the rector in a church is, I think, primarily his role is one of preaching the word and uh, and praying, leading prayers. Um, so I, I, I think that you want someone who is, de- his, his life is devoted to studying the scriptures and, and expounding them for a congregation because... That's how God changes hearts and and raises up dead souls. Um, I think you want a pastor who is knowledgeable of the Scripture and knows his people to, to, to who can then uh, preside over the sacraments, right? Because you you need someone who's full time invested in the congregation to know who he's communing, who he's who he's baptizing, who he's who's where
0: people are spiritually um i have a question about that okay we allow with with the bishop's uh consent we allow for deacons to preach we even allow for lay people to preach why do we reserve the sacrament to just a priest the the, uh, uh lord's supper to just uh, the priest, it goes to
1: discipline. I mean, uh, okay, so Roman—we're not Roman Catholics. Roman Catholics would say that that's because at the ordination of a priest, he's given the uh, the special charism to be able to celebrate communion, and through him, God will or Christ will be made present to the congregation, and he will be able to represent the sacrifice of Christ uh, through his through his, you know. He has he has the ontological. He's a, some kind of ontological changes taking place where he now mm. can uh, can bring about the transformation of the mm. representation of the bread
0: and the wine. This is a re-sacrifice, right? You're, right, right, right. Yeah, now they wouldn't say they wouldn't
1: say that there's a new sacrifice every okay. time, but they would say it's a representation of the, mm. that one sacrifice. Um, so for for us, though, I think the the, the key notion is one of, of church discipline, like. Um, the if you have a situation which I know exists in some event evangelical churches where every home group every once in a while has communion together right how how attentive are the leaders of the home group to the spiritual well-being of the people who are who are, who are taking it are they paying attention to their lives are they so are they, do they know do they or are, are they intent do they care like if, if one of the people in their home group is, Cheating on his spouse would that make would they would the with the leader of that home group have the authority to say okay I can't let you take communion because you're cheating um, I don't think so but if you vest the authority to celebrate communion in a person who also has the authority to, to fence the table then then you have you have right, so that's a you have the church discipline then you, then you can make sure that no one's coming forward in a way that would harm them um, or or harm the church and you can guard over baptisms and concepts that
0: That makes sense and that was um my initial thought like i I was thinking i think that's probably what it is but what do you how does that work then when it comes to like last summer when you guys were gone Mm -hmm. on sabbatical and i had to get in clergy supply for this for the lord's supper Mm -hmm. they don't know they don't know our people yeah so how do you would that be in that case would i would like would the responsibility fall on me as deacon to let him know yeah and then yeah. he would right he if someone's in the
1: congregation pray. you would that would be that fall on your shoulders um it is I mean, the tradition the tradition of of the priest being the one who uh who celebrates communion goes way back and it, it hasn't all it, i mean I say the emphasis for us is on is on discipline, but it hasn't always been that emphasis. It has ultimately been sacramental in the idea that that, that God does um, God wants to present a picture in the gathering of the community of Christ feeding His sheep, mm-hmm. and that picture is 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 clearest when the one who is the shepherd of the congregation does what Jesus did. Now that sounds very close to the Roman idea of the, of the, priest being in personal Christi, but that's not what this is. It's just the idea of the, of the typological picture of the shepherd feeding
0: his sheep. Is this the, like the image of Jesus blessing and breaking the bread, giving it to the disciples yeah. to distribute to yep. the people? Exactly. That's kind of the picture going on. Right, there. right, right. Okay. Um, that makes sense. So the preaching of the word involved in that's going to be the teaching right so preaching on sunday uh teaching whatever you're you're in charge of the the teaching right so it doesn't mean you have to be teaching every class but you you are responsible for what's everything what's being taught i'm responsible right yeah um and then the administering of the sacraments um and then we uh anything else uh as far as as far as main roles of a pastor well to do also do the
1: pastoral care of the church. Like yeah. you, you'd want to, shepherding. yeah, shepherding and people visiting the sick, right. uh, counseling people who are in trouble, uh, you know, doing premarital counseling for married people who are going to get married and uh, all those kinds of you know just, that's where the real um, that's where the real pain <laughs> of being a pastor comes in because you have you develop relationships mm-hmm. and uh, you see people fall away, you see people divorce, you see people you uh, shipwreck their lives and uh, that's that's where a lot of the difficult parts of being a pastor come in hmm. not the preaching doesn't bring its own difficulty it brings yeah. a lot but but the, the, sort of the interpersonal relationships that's where where the pain sometimes comes in so
0: yeah um, so then what uh, with that being said like a pastor's calendar in the week right should look very well a few weeks ago we were talking about uh, the sermon yeah. you think like the sermon should take precedent right like it should so. be first it should be uh, however long it takes for you to yeah make sure to get that done and get it done well you're gonna preach clearly do that after that you're looking at um what visits uh pastoral care checking in on people studying
1: for bible studies studying for bible studies yeah yeah. And, you know, it depends on how, how big your church is. I mean, unfortunately, we've got a large enough staff now where, like, mm-hmm. all the stuff that I used to do... Yeah, you um, can, yeah, distribute it. Distribute yeah, a lot definitely. of it, right? So, um, but if you're by yourself, yeah, I mean, you've got to really be careful about your time. And so you've got to prioritize. And um, I do think that the preaching would be, be the first. And then then um, then teaching, I, I would then say, then right up to that, is if, if anyone's in the hospital, that's your next, your next priority. If anyone's... And in deep trouble that's your next priority the pastoral stuff i think comes right up there after the after the preaching section so you don't just um you don't just uh spend all your time during the week studying and working on admin which is maybe the temptation for introverted
0: pastors like you yeah like me yeah i, I, I and me i yeah probably a little less so than you but i'm definitely need my Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's it's (laughs) difficult to, um, because a lot of pastors
1: who are, I know, I'd say the majority are probably introverted. Yeah, people. That's I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, but you got to be on on Sunday morning, and then you and then you have to go and do the visits. You have to go people face to face. Call people. Yeah, and when I do it, I I enjoy it. It's just it 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 always looms in front of me. You know, oh, I gotta go do this.
0: Yeah. And. I feel great though after it. Yeah, so you're like yeah. I did my job. Yep, yep. I uh, I did something I don't <laughs> like to do. Well, I like to do it because I care yeah. for the people. But it's just the the yeah, yeah. The, for the introvert it's hard. But right. Um, okay, different question. What do you then? Uh, I mean, what do you do? You do anything for fun, or you just you, <laughs> you just read the Bible and you read <laughs> uh, theology? Is a is the pastor's <laughs> life boring? Or <laughs> <when> I <was laughs> younger, not boring. Like, I don't want to no, say no, that no, no. So I, mean, I
1: I was. Uh, I mean, really, when I was really younger, the first two or three years, I really had very little time to do anything. I mean... You mean like when you first took that church? Yeah, I yeah, first
0: you took to go, the church. Gosh, I could only it imagine. was so yeah.
1: crazy. And there was so much stress. I had Jeez. very little time. I, I developed no... And, and you know, the thing is, when I came into the pastor, my hobby was reading, right? So, mm-hmm. um, after you, when you're first starting out, studying for a sermon is just this massive task. And it's just... So hard to know how to do it, and then studying for a Bible study. I mean, especially if you've never preached through. I preach through a lot of the Bible already. I mean, I've taught through a lot of the Bible already in Bible studies. So, so most of the time, I'm teaching a Bible study. I'm teaching a passage I've already taught on before. So it's it's not like it's not like relearning. Re yeah, drive. But when you're first starting out, it's oh gosh, yeah, it's 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 just a lot of. Of time, So you're working more than you're working more when you first start out. If you have just a medium sized congregation, then you probably are later on in your ministry, not because later in your ministry, you're not trying as hard, but just because you've, you've, you've learned, uh, you've got yeah. muscle memory. You've, yeah. you've developed, you've developed skills in a, mm-hmm. in a certain area. Um, so, uh, so it was really hard when I first started out to find any kind any time to, to do anything that I liked, and I was so burnt out after all the studying, I didn't want to read. So I didn't have any. I couldn't. My hobby that I like to do is gone because I didn't want to read anything because I've been Ooh. reading all week. And you just so lay down on the couch yeah. and <laughs> right, stare into right, nothing. Right. Well, I started playing video games. I <laughs> yeah, playing, yeah, I started gaming. I started playing like Total War on <laughs> on PC uh, when I could spare an hour or so. Um, yeah. But but and now it's better. I mean, now I have like I, I have assistance in my. The time demands right now are so much. Better than they ever were. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now close to a 50-hour, 60-hour week, which has not had not happened in my entire, entire ministry. So, wow. so I get, and now I'm enjoying reading again because it, it's oh, not as taxing. So, I'll, what I tend to do is read. Um, I'll read things that are outside my field. Like I'll right. read, I, I love World War II. I'll read. Hey, a big that. history guy. Yeah. Did, wait,
0: you, um, did you you got a degree in history, right? Yeah, that was, was my that degree. degree.
1: Yeah, okay. Yeah. But, uh, so I and it it was a emphasis on marxism leninism so i i, I love reading yeah, biographies of stalin and lenin and
0: yeah i walked into the your your uh, living room when i got here and uh big old book is just this lenin right right, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then you're always posting about like what hitler you're always reading about hitler yeah i've read like I've 10 like hitler read biographies the in the last yeah. three years so learn a lot about hitler yeah <laughs> um so okay so reading is kind of your your hobby get away oh, yeah. and do yeah, that. that's great um no more video games i can't i got i get vertigo so i try I, mm.
1: I, I try i can still play total war but i try to every time you do, do a first person shooter Like i used to do it my kid with my sons yeah I, we used to bond quality time yeah down there we played uh Elder scrolls um oh that, yeah uh, uh skyrim uh, skyrim yeah but i can't i
0: i i can only do like 30 minutes i feel i'm gonna throw up because i've got this head yeah. It's always so bad at those type of games. I always just ran around and, and <laughs> well, did a bunch not, of normal <laughs> stuff, like, like really boring stuff. Um, so, okay. So, last thing, you have a, a young guy come to you, um, and he says, "Hey, I'm I'm thinking about being a pastor, I, or I'm curious about like we'll, uh, about the pastor. What what should be my next step uh, for the
1: guy? Yeah. Um, if he came to me, I would say first thing. Um, he needs to ask himself is, and this is not um, this is not an original question to me, but I was asked it by my pastor, and I know that I've heard other people have been asked it too. But the first question is if you if you can do any if you can do anything else and be happy, do that thing. Because okay,
0: so walk me through. Okay, then he leaves, and what is he supposed to think about? He's just supposed to uh, ask himself, yeah. to try to think like, about every scenario, maybe or like scenarios of different things that he might be able to do, and if he doesn't, if he feels like because I've heard this before, I like, still okay, want to do. It. do it.
1: Yeah, not not, and that, maybe happy is the wrong word. I, I, I'm not saying all your dreams, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but, 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 but I am saying there's a there's a fire in the belly that uh, that I had when I first started. I, I I want to be a pastor. I want to preach. I want to teach. So I, I really want to do this really badly. And I mean if I had to like if I was forced to work in, you know, sales, I guess I could probably do it. I, I would hate it, but I could do it. Um but but that's I really don't want to do anything else but this. Mm. So that's that's where you want to find where's the passion? Where's the fire? 'Cause yeah, you supposed yeah. to aspire to? it. It's yeah. supposed to be something that you you should really want to be. Want. Yeah. 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 Okay. So figure that out first. Then, um, you know, ask people around you. You know, it's it's not you know, one distinctive of well, not just Anglicans, but I think Presbyterians and other other really institutionalized church, and institutionalized churches is that we don't the inner call that you might feel mm-hmm. to be a pastor is one thing, and it's important you need to have that desire, um, but it's not the determining factor because you, the church has to call you. The church has to recognize in you the um, the right qualifications so if you really want to be a pastor you do need to go to your pastor or go to uh, people around you and ask whether they think this might be something Christians around you and ask them whether they think this might, this might be something that you could be qualified for ask mm-hmm. them to pray about it because um, inner feeling is just not enough <laughs> inner feeling not enough there's mm-hmm. some obje- those objective factors for yeah. what, what it means to be a pastor that if you don't meet those qualifications you, uh, you, can't, you can't be one um, and you yeah. could, you know, the desire to teach, um, you could still maybe do that without mm-hmm. being a pastor. Mm-hmm. I mean, like it doesn't mean that you can't be some of the things you you found attractive. You can't ever do it. Just means that. You know, if you if you're on your third marriage, you know you probably you're not going to be you shouldn't be you shouldn't be a pastor. <laughs> you be a pastor. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. If you have a you have a raging cocaine addiction, you know, do something else. <laughs> for, yeah, <laughs> right, right, right,
0: right. Got a few steps. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> right, right. I was talking to a younger guy about this, and because it's something that he's he's thinking through, and uh, we had a conversation that was much bigger than just thinking about the pastorate, but, um, there came a point where I realized like, man, I don't know if he like, I wonder if he is, um, like really, uh, believing the gospel.
1: Hmm.
0: And, uh, so we looked at, we looked at this text and we looked at the text of the deacons and that text in the, the, uh, for the qualifications of the deacon where it says, you know, he has to, he must hold to the mystery of the faith with a clear conscience. Hmm. I said, you should probably just work on this. Like, mm-hmm. just. Do you know what the mystery of the faith yeah, is? Yeah. Do you like, holding to it? are you holding to yeah. the gospel for yourself? Yeah. If Christ for you. Is that enough? Um, just rest in the gospel. Like, I think that's probably the first thing you need yeah, to do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, that's, that's what I, I mean. That's something I have to remind myself. Like, you know what? Because it's so easy to get into the tasks and all the things that you have to do. And man, sometimes I, I find myself, uh, finding my worth and all of that. And then I have to stop and like, hold on like this job. I heard it said once by, uh, Kevin Van Hooser that the job of a pastor is to present Christ to his people in all of life. Like you just, everywhere you go, <laughs> preaching, <laughs> teaching visits, wherever it is, yeah. you're presenting Christ to them. Um, how, you know, you have to have Christ Right. presented to
1: you. <laughs> to, right. To and it's such an important point. I mean, I think uh, I'm, I'm glad you said that because especially in an Anglican setting it's very easy for people to uh, fall into a kind of an infatuation with the accoutrements of of the liturgy with the vestments with the mm. with the all the stuff. Right. And, and then say and, and maybe not um, in every Anglican setting, but in some Anglican settings, it's really beautiful. And yeah. and and then you think, hey, I'd like a job like that, where I just have to show up one day of the week, and <laughs> you know, I get to read read interesting things and study interesting things the rest of the week. Um, right. And and so, the, but that, but so in that way, we've in Anglican congregations, or Anglican settings lots of people have been ordained who don't know the gospel and haven't believed the gospel. And I mean that's why uh, John Wesley was an ordained minister and he heard the gospel <laughs> and wow. believed, right? So there's there's been conversions of people in office <laughs> who that's shouldn't crazy. have been in office in the first place because they didn't believe. Wow. So, so, wow. so yeah, it's a huge thing to ask and make sure that you, the person you're putting forward
0: knows the actual gospel. Yeah. And Doing not just for uh, themselves. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That's great okay well we should stop there uh we got plans um we'll uh we'll meet either next week or the week after that and then we'll keep this thing going so all right thanks for joining us